0: everyone, my name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours
1: Marvel. This is episode 93 of Make Ours Marvel, where we are taking a journey through all of the old superhero comics of the Marvel Universe, and we are in the middle of the merry month of May, 1965, and mm-hmm. we're talking about the debut of a new series, not a new uh, title, but a new series within the title.
0: Yeah, new, well, not a new character either, but kind of a new character for us in terms of, you know, the protagonist of a story.
1: Yeah, so you wouldn't really expect this to happen these days, which I guess you can also say of the person he's replacing. But until Tales to Astonish, the giant man and Wasp Strip has given way to Prince Namor, the Sub-Mariner, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, was a big deal at the time. He was a very popular character, and... Although he probably gets canceled sooner than anyone else that we're going to be talking about um, (laughs) in this era of Marvel, except for the X-Men. I think the X-Men actually get canceled before he does. Um, You know, for a long time, he was super duper popular and we're getting into his series today, tonight, and it's uh, Tales to Astonish number 70. So who's got this, Mike?
0: Um, You do, but I want to, I mean, we haven't really kept track of crossovers, but I have to think that. Submariner so far in our life has been the biggest crossover character, right? Yeah. Like it just seems yeah. like he's been in everything we've read. He's almost
1: the biggest supporting character or the biggest star not to have his own book. Uh-huh. I mean, he's he's a very significant non-featured character. And now he's featured. And he's yeah. probably so significant because I mean, he used to be one of the three big ringers at Marvel mm-hmm. back in the day.
0: Yeah. So now we technically have all three ringers back in a, in a book, except, of course, Human Torch isn't the actual Human Torch, but he is a Human Torch, so I guess yes. it's okay.
1: Um, and they've tried to do the whole Namor Torch thing with the modern torch, and that doesn't really work the way it worked back in the day, so I don't really feel like they should do it anymore at all, ever. But
0: um, <laughs> Especially since he never really comments on the idea that he has fought a torch before. You'd think he would have.
1: You know, yeah. Yeah, from a continuity perspective, you really think that he would have said something by now about how this uppity matchstick is just like the old uh, fire top he used to fight back in the 40s.
0: Yeah. But no. Oh, well. We chalked that up to of bad course, memory. Of course, out of continuity, they're still – sorry, again? We could chalk that up to bad memory, I guess, or something.
1: Yeah, bad memory. Or maybe he just talks to Dorma at night and, you know, tells <laughs> it to
0: her. And- Before he tells her to get off him and get away. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but out of universe of course, we just we know that they weren't planning at this point to really reference golden age continuity at all. As far as they're concerned, everything is brand new unless they specifically say otherwise. Mhm. So, um this issue uh was one of the ones that came out the first week, May 4th. Um, they pulled the Tales to Astonish and Strange Tales into the first week to kind of you know highlight the um, the debuts. Mm-hmm. So we had one last episode with Strange Tales. We're gonna have one this episode with Tales to Astonish, and after this we're gonna go into the second week. But we have a split cover. Uh, Prince Namor is in a cage. We bow to your demands. His own series at last. Prince Namor, the Submariner and uh, Dorma's behind him and that might be warlord krang on a tv monitor screen just mm-hmm. like in the middle of the ocean for no reason yeah. and at the bottom hulk is like jumping out of a wall with people shooting at him to live again disaster strikes the incredible hulk so getting into the story behold the start of a sensational new marvel feature prince namor the Submariner, beginning the start of the quest. Story by Stan Lee, unchallenged king of the spoken word. Art by Adam Austin, Marvel's newest prince of pageantry. Inking by Vince Coletta, lordly emperor of embellishment. And lettering by Artie Simic. Someone's gotta carry the spear. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Namor was recently in Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Daredevil number seven. He wanted to sue the human race. Uh, that didn't go exactly as planned. And, and, and while he was there, Dorm was like, hey, um, while you've been up here playing lawyer, Krang stole your empire. So he's like, oh, crap, Krang stole my empire. So now he's coming back down to the ocean to see that he is not too late to get his empire back from Krang. But he gets there and sees Dorma and turns out he's too late to get his empire back from Krang. Uh, Krang basically has already seized the throne and now it's up to Namor to do something to reclaim it. This is some real Game of Thrones type stuff because all of the Lannisters come after Ed Stark at the end of the first season. And that's exactly what happens here. They all come after uh, all the soldiers of the of the realm come after Namor because he is no longer the rightful prince, and um, Dorma actually has helped to make this happen because she meets him in the way into into town and basically is like, "Hey, I love you. Do you love me?" Circle one, yes or no? And he circles Imperius Rex, and she's <laughs> like, "Fine, um, guards, he's over here. Seize him!" And she helps the guards. We're going to talk about this because I feel like this is not the first time she's done this. The guards take him before Krang and he's like, you're going to pay for taking my throne. And Krang's like, haha, I already have your throne and you're going to go to jail and nobody's going to care about you because you suck. So Namor goes and gets thrown in jail and he's laying on the ground thinking about how much he sucks. Actually, I don't think the idea of Namor sucking has ever entered Namor's mind. I think Namor is always just like the greatest thing ever in Namor's mind. Yeah. But anyways, Dorma swims up to him on a dolphin's like, Hey, Namor, um, so, sorry I put you in jail. And he's like, "Fine. You're going to help me beat the king." And she's like, "No, I can't help you beat the king. He's the ruler of the, of of Atlantis." And he was like, "Fine. Then I'm going to have to go after the ancient scepter of or trident rather of Neptune. The ancient trident which Neptune God of the sea has put away in some special place that no one knows, but he did leave clues to get to the first place. And if you go to the first place, you'll get clues to the second place. And if you keep following clues, then you'll get to the trident, but no one's ever done it because every clue is guarded and it's always really dangerous. So um, he's like, if I can do that and get Neptune's uh, trident, then I can be king. Dora's like, okay, that sounds good. I'll let you out. So she lets him out and he swims away. And she's like, oh no, no one's ever survived this. Have I written my love off to be killed? And Krang shows up. Ha ha, Dorma, you let him out. You wrote your love off to be killed. And She's like, oh no. So he, uh, Damor goes to the secret place with the first clue to the Trident Disney finds a giant squid. I think it's the same one that killed Captain Nemo. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um And there's this like super secret magic shell in the back of the cave. All he's got to do is get to the shell and read the clue to get to the next level. Um, But he has to beat the boss first. So he sneaks around the boss and grabs the shell. But then the squid comes up behind him. He's like, oh, no, the squid's going to get me. And he's super strong and I can't beat him. And it's a cliffhanger ending
0: because this is going
1: to be a serial story. And here Mm -hmm. we are.
0: Yeah. So that was that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know it's our first time to read a Namor-focused story. What'd you think?
0: Well, the art's great. I like this new Adam Austin guy they got. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard of him before, but he's pretty impressive, I think. Um, well,
1: he is actually a pseudonym for Gene Colan.
0: Oh, well, there you go.
1: Yeah. This is his first Marvel Universe work. He's largely working for DC right now, but he's done plenty of work for both companies ever since the late nineteen
0: forties. Oh, so he's just trying to hide the fact that he's working on two companies at the same time? He
1: might be hiding the fact because I think that's frowned upon during this era.
0: Yeah. Well, it sure looks great. Um, you know, barring the whole like ridiculousness that there's capes and stuff underwater, but what are you gonna do? You're just gonna I'm just gonna have to get over stuff like that, because they're never gonna make it super realistic. But it looks realistic enough, I right? guess. Um I don't know the story was okay I'm kind of getting tired of the whole like every time he stands up from his throne someone slips down on it and then they're now king magically you know like does that really how that works like a king can't leave his house or his whole empire gets taken over like he should put some things in place to make that not happen maybe I don't know
1: you would think so I mean it's like yeah the king should be able to go traveling without being worried about losing his throne.
0: Yeah, so how do they just take it over? Just because they sit on it? I don't know. And then I don't like the whole... uh, I kind of didn't like the whole, like, uh, you know, he who finds this trident gets to rule. Because how does that really... I don't know. What does that even mean? Like, what if you're just really good at finding stuff? Does that mean you get to be king now? Like, I don't know. Kind of weird, but...
1: It's definitely a video game plot.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it doesn't really... um, uh, 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 filter out a good leader necessarily just because the guy can find a trident? I don't know.
1: Well, okay. So it's, it's a weird prophecy because he says the trident is a symbol of royalty. Mm-hmm. Except you don't need the trident to be king.
0: Apparently not. But
1: Neptune's like, I'm going to hide it until y'all start arguing over who's going to be king. And then whoever finds it gets to be the winner.
0: So I guess the idea is that this prophecy is so revered and so um, believed in that this is going to be the collateral that Submariner uses to get his people to come back to his rule. I guess by showing up with it. I guess because technically the guy who's taken over could also just say who cares. But well,
1: it, 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 it's worth saying that like other people have gone after this trident before. Namor is not the first. Mm-hmm. It's just no one else has ever survived. Yeah. So people have tried to go and get this thing to prove they should be king, and it's never worked. Now, maybe it's because according to the prophecy, it wasn't supposed to happen yet. Maybe they were just glory seekers and no one was actually disputing the ruler and they just wanted to steal the throne. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um, Neymar and Dorma's relationship, a little messed up, I think. I don't know. I was like, partly I'm like, why does he treat her so badly? But another part of me thinks, well, he treats her so badly because she's so like all over the place, it feels like. So, yeah, I don't know who's supposed to like who or why, but they they do
1: eventually become more um, emotionally intimate. Like they do get romantically involved, mm-hmm. but I don't know how that happens. And Namor is so damn arrogant
0: mm-hmm. that it's just
1: hard to see him ever giving way to her. But eventually he does. Yeah. I don't know. I mean.
0: He treats her horribly. So on the one hand, you can kind of understand why she gets spurned all the time and then seems to betray. This is like at least the second time she's betrayed him that I can think of. Yes, Uh,
1: because the last time we saw... um, He was in love with Invisible Girl. Yeah, the last time she showed up in a Fantastic Four story, Yeah, Dorma came to the Fantastic Four and said, hey, Atum is trying to take our throne and it's kind of my fault because Namor spurned by affection, so I helped the bad guy. So this is kind of Dorma's move at this point.
0: But even before that, I believe Namor asked for her to, like, look after Invisible Girl as a prisoner and she was all uppity and tried to kill her or something like that. I don't know. I can't remember. There was some story where she teamed up with Atuma because Namor liked Invisible Girl, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so she's kind of all over the place. But at the same time, maybe you can't blame her because he is really bad with being nice to her. So.
1: I had forgotten that this picked up right from Daredevil
0: 7 when I opened it up. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I feel like we read that six years ago.
1: Well, we've had a whole other issue of Daredevil since then. So it's like it has been two or three months.
0: Okay. So Um, this this is one of those Marvel reading project out of order issues probably.
1: Right. And like the Hulk had a pretty solid through line, but then didn't really connect up between his last appearance and his Hulk series. And this is kind of the opposite. Namor hasn't really had a narrative through line, but the last time he shows up was definitely setting this up.
0: But I guess if if Namor and his entire cast and crew and storyline are all underwater, it doesn't really matter if he gels up with what's going on in Avengers right now, because nobody's crossing over. Yeah. So this could be in the past.
1: Crossovers with Namor are going to be few and far between. It's always going to involve him coming to the surface world. Um, I say few and far between. I don't know. Maybe they're as regular as any other crossovers, but...
0: See, I was wondering I mean I haven't you've probably read all these already because you've always read everything already and I haven't read any of these already because I've never read anything ever but I was wondering how much um, Atlantis we're going to get in these stories like is it just going to be every issue Atlantis problems because I almost think it'd be cooler if they put him on the surface to interact with humans and that would be more interesting you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's kind of a balance. Like this okay. is, this little arc with the quest goes for a while. Um, but then he does have to do some stuff that interacts with the server. I think it kind of goes back and forth. Um, and I haven't read a whole lot of this. I've read about a year and a half of this series.
0: because I was really into the John Byrne series when that came out in the 90s or something. And that was right. Day one, they had him, you know, uh, plunge the ocean for buried treasure and then just set up a big more company and become a businessman on the mm-hmm. surface and that was fun because it's like here's this weird atlantean guy interacting with you know us regular humans and not quite figuring things out and being weird and stuff atlantis itself is like i don't know kind of not super interesting maybe i don't know we'll see we'll see as it goes but his his whole struggle to keep his people and stuff has never been all that dramatic for me right so we'll see
1: i do kind of wish we had some like bones in the squid cave because they talk about how like people Mm. have gone after this trident and this squid keeps killing them Mm -hmm. it would be nice i mean it'd be macabre but it'd be nice to just like see some indications that other people have been here
0: yeah as serial as serial um cliffhangers go this isn't super stressful because who's the guy what's the bad guy's name again i forget uh krang krang has his people like seal Namor in—that's why he mm-hmm. can't get out. And it's like they seal him in with rocks. And I am just thinking, yeah, but he's submariner, so he can just like punch those rocks, can he? Because right, he's like the Hulk underwater, so this should be no problem for him to get out. But we'll see, we'll see what happens. So I wrote just a couple of little
1: things down because Namor, Namor is so Namor. Mm-hmm. Um, when he gets thrown in jail, he's laying there manacled. He thinks Namor the First, bound and helpless, like the meanest subject of my realm. That is literally uh. saying, oh, no, they're treating me like a normal person.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: it's just like, oh, my gosh. And then um, at the end of that, um, every chain has its weakest link. And so has Krang's chain of dark deception. Even now, that weakest link approaches in the form of my lady, Dorma. And I was like, okay, Namor, you keep on with the exploitative thoughts. That's that's great.
0: He's definitely a character. He's definitely got a lot of ca- cool, strong character personalities, which is usually what makes him fun. Uh, we'll see if he can – if it's as fun when he's not like just a supporting character or a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's the actual hero of the story. I assume he was like this in the Golden Age, though. I've only read the one issue we covered. but
1: Yeah. I mean, he's not the nicest guy in the Golden Age. Uh, no. I feel like he gets along with the Atlanteans more than he gets along with humans. But, he
0: but he's, he's always just- been pretty arrogant and – of himself and thinks that he Mm. definitely should rule. Yeah. I
1: hope he realizes how good Dorma is being to him at the end here because he doesn't really deserve her.
0: Doesn't seem like he is, but we'll find out, I guess. So, you know, Daredevil 1
1: was our last new title title. Mm -hmm. And then we have this book and Strange Tales, which are the closest things we're going to get to new comics until Captain Marvel.
0: Mm. Um, In 20 years. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I guess their their importance is boosted even more by the fact that all four of these strips between Astonish and Strange Tales, they all actually become their own comics in nineteen sixty eight. I can only think of one other backup strip that's going to start up before then that's in the Marvel Universe. And it's only it's in nineteen sixty seven, we're gonna get a new backup in Thor.
0: Of what? In humans. Are they really gonna do Tales of Asgard till then? Yeah. Wow. I thought they'd be running out of stories pretty soon.
1: Tales of Asgard goes for the better part of 5 years.
0: Oh my god. That seems Gosh. like too much. That seems like too much. <laughs> I mean, I well, like I like are- the I like the idea of like, you know, baby baby Thor tales and stuff, but now they're like just making stuff up.
1: Well, where we are, we're getting to like this like quest
0: uh-huh. and it's
1: just, you know, young Thor in Asgard doing Asgard things, not being a Marvel hero, but still being basically just doing Thor stuff. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And so but, it's almost like no longer Tales of Asgard with young Thor, it's just Tales of Thor in Asgard.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like Submariner in Atlantis, and we get Thor in Asgard. Yep. And I'm not sure if he's more interesting in Asgard than he is on Earth, because, you know, there's relatability when he's on Earth. That's true. We'll see. I don't know. I am kind of interested in this whole, like, who cracked the sword thing. So uh, we'll see where that goes.
1: All right. Well, our quest has begun.
0: Mm-hmm. Shall we
1: move on to see what the
0: Hulk is doing? The Hulk is uh, dead. Remember?
1: Oh, that's right. Bruce Banner got shot. Mhm. Which is and, why we're and not really pronounced gonna... dead. Yep. Yep. The Incredible Hulk to live again. Our drama-packed soap opera thus far, the leader, a very naughty super spy, captured the Hulk. The Army Heroes All located the leader's eh. hideout and broke in.
0: Heroes <laughs> All?
1: Well, yeah. yeah. Except for the ones that we know well. Right. <laughs> And the Hulk, lovable as ever, turned into Bruce Banner and was hit by a fatal bullet. Enough? Okay, let's go. Take a Stan Lee story, add Jack Kirby artwork, mixed with Mickey DeMeo inking and Artie Simic lettering, presto, instant confusion. <laughs> so to live again is the title of our story. The army has infiltrated the leader's um, hideout. And um, they're trying to find the Absorbitron, but it has been destroyed and the Hulk has escaped. And Ross is not very happy with Major Talbot. But Talbot's like, yo, Bruce Banner's dead. At least we got that traitor. But then someone comes in and says, hey, Banner's body is gone. They're like, what? Rick Jones, having freshly left the Avengers for good, has shown back up and he totally skadooshed with Bruce Banner's body. Uh, drove off with it in an ambulance and is taking him down into their old cave hideout from back in the day. He puts Bruce Banner on the table and looks at the machines. It's like, it's been 84 years, but I think I still remember how to use this thing. He zaps Banner with gamma rays. The hope thing uh, being that even if Bruce Banner's body can't withstand a bullet hole, the Hulk's body should be able to. And Bruce Banner does transform into the Hulk. And the Hulk's eyes open. He sits up and wakes up and is like, Hello, Rick. How are you, sir? And Bruce Rick is like, Oh my gosh, your voice. You've got the body of the Hulk, but this time your brain is Bruce Banner's. This is the second time we've done this. <laughs> and Hulk is like, Yep. And I'm never going to change back to Bruce Banner because if I do, I'll die. So, um... The leader checks in with, uh, his communist employers and they're like, you failed. You were supposed to bring us the Absorbitron. He's like, whatever. Um, I can give you, uh, even better weapon. It's just going to cost you one billion dollars. Dun, Whoa. dun, dun. This time nobody laughs because Dr. Evil actually, you know, a billion dollars is a lot of money. Yeah. Um, what the uh, leader is going to sell them is a giant pink humanoid plastoid creature, one that is so big and so destructive and so irresistible that anybody would, would love to, to have it. So he uh, launches it and does a demonstration for the communist leaders. Meanwhile, General Talbot, not General Talbot, Major Talbot goes to Betty Ross is like, hey, Betty, I know Bruce is dead, but I love you. And she's like, oh, Bruce is dead. I love him, but I love you, but I love him. And um, yeah, so the Absorbitron, uh, the Humanoid is there walking around. Hulk goes out to stop it. Humanoid picks up Hulk in his hand. They fight. Uh, The army launches missiles and rockets and planes at the Humanoid. Uh, It's a big, huge explosion, but the Humanoid's not destroyed. So they bring out their Sunday Punch super missile, and they're about to launch it at the humanoid, but Rick Jones is like, oh no, the Hulk doesn't know about the super missile. I've got to run out in front of the bomb, just like in issue number one, <laughs> but this time I'm going to try to save the Hulk. <laughs> the end.
0: Yep, that's ex- exactly what's happening.
1: Yeah. Um, it even says Sunday Punch Missile on the side of the truck. Guys. I thought they were just calling it that because, you know, it's a fun nickname. <sighs> Sunday
0: Sunday Punch Missile M1-4-2 or something. I don't have my glasses. Yeah. That's what it's called. So, do you feel like the leader so- isn't really intelligent but just got some, like, awesome intelligence about plastoids? Because that's <laughs> the only thing he does. <laughs> Yeah, he really loves his, like, pink creatures. Like, I want to see some more intelligence. All he does is keep making these plastoids. It's kind of weird. It's
1: it's like the uh, the, the joke about the guy who keeps on trying to do the one thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's do this. Oh, let's do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um,
1: the definition of insanity. Right. Yeah. The army has found the leader's hideout. Mm -hmm. How do they know what the leader is?
0: Do they say that he's the leader? Oh, they do. Mm-hmm. You're right. You know what else the- is random? This whole like plastic Hulk thing that's just standing there. That was also weird.
1: I felt like they were going to do that because we weren't going to see the Hulk very much. But then we ended up seeing the Hulk quite a bit.
0: Yeah. I was like, that went nowhere. It was just this plastic Hulk that the the leader made because he's all he knows is plastics. So, yeah, he made a plastic Hulk. But then it didn't do anything.
1: Do you think that maybe just maybe they're thinking people new readers are going to pick up the uh- – the series and so we should have the hulk on the first page of the hulk story
0: could be yeah there you go
1: that could be i don't
0: know um I'm, I'm looking at the last issue real fast to see if at any point like the leader challenged the military but i don't see that happening so yeah why do they know who the leader is
1: yeah i looked i didn't see anything they shouldn't even know that he exists
0: yeah
1: but somehow they do
0: because rick doesn't know the leader right i don't, uh, I
1: don't think so
0: yeah, so it really makes no sense. But they're all freaked out that the leader got away. Maybe it's all oh. over his like diary or something. Maybe. Mm.
1: He left like a journal like Superman has the giant diary on the wall.
0: Welcome to the leader's hideout on the on the doormat or something. I don't know.
1: Today today I drank milk. <laughs> today I drank milk. Uh, um, I,
0: today I drank expired milk because I'm not very smart. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I really liked seeing the Gamma Ray machine from back in the day.
0: Uh Uh-huh. That was kind of a cool callback. Yeah. I was like, oh, look at that flashback. So, he gets, first of all, they never really explain why he went immediately from Hulk to Bruce Banner in last issue and then got shot and killed. There's really no sign of where the bullet is, though they do say it's his head, I think, somewhere.
1: Is that why his head looks so funky on page four? I swear that man has three different faces on that page.
0: <laughs> yeah. Kirby's um, Hulk rendition on that particular set of panels is a little odd.
1: I hope Kirby settles into something with the Hulk because I did not love Kirby's Hulk face.
0: He started out pretty good with the gray and all that, but then he's been weird ever since.
1: Well, like the classic first issue cover, his yeah. Hulk face is just dude face. Yeah. There's nothing really that unusual about the Hulk's face on that first
0: cover. So, but anyway, okay. So he gets shot as a human and they gamma him, so he turns to the Hulk, and now he can survive the bullet. But don't you think like he would just be healed, because the Hulk heals That's and what stuff? I think,
1: although the bullet is still inside somewhere.
0: Okay, so that's the problem. It's stuck in there.
1: I would think so. So if he, if he turns back into Bruce Banner, even if he were to heal on the surface, there's still a bullet lodged in his, lodged in his whatever. So really,
0: they should dig it out of him while he's the Hulk, except the Hulk is invulnerable, and you can't dig a bullet out of him. So, exactly. Oh, well. Go through his nose, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Get,
1: get get Ant-Man in here.
0: Just do that Wolverine scene where he like cuts the thing out with, you know, pulls the thing out of his heart and then dies for a little bit and then wakes up.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly Just do that. that.
0: <laughs> do that through the nose.
1: Turn off his powers for a little while. Yeah. So the leader wants money. And I don't know. I feel like the leader wanting money feels kind of gauche. Right. Like he should be above such petty desires for some reason. I don't know.
0: Well, also because as he's asking for money, he's got a $3 billion plastoid guy. Right. So how did he get all that money?
1: I don't know. Maybe he wants a billion dollars to build another one.
0: Like Ultron can just blink and then like transfer a billion dollars to anybody's account just because he feels like it. Because the money means nothing to him because he's a real villain. Right. But like Leader asking for a billion dollars, that's just kind of lame. Like, come on, come up with something better. You're supposed to be a genius.
1: Although I could think of a lot of genius things to do with a billion dollars.
0: That's true, but I can I feel like if I was that kind of genius, I could just steal a billion dollars. Why do I gotta make this weird adaptoid thing and ask for money? I can I just hack into things and I guess there's no hacking in nineteen sixty wherever we are, but or is there? I don't know. How come a leader can't just steal money? That just seems easier. But You would think. Or make a make a really awesome pyramid scheme that everybody falls for. That's what I would do. That's what I would do.
1: So you know how much a billion dollars is?
0: No. A billion? Okay.
1: Let's say that you're earning $250 an hour. Mm-hmm. And you never spend any of it and you never pay taxes. Uh-huh. And you work full time.
0: Uh-huh. 40 and you, hours.
1: And you started working when Jesus was born. Uh-huh. You'd have a billion dollars now.
0: Oh my gosh. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of dollars. Yeah.
1: That's why people are freaked out about billionaires and how much they're like dragon. Billionaires are dragons sitting on hordes of money.
0: (laughs) But we like dragons, so.
1: (laughs) Not if we're the Hobbit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's why we read the Hobbit. Um, Because we want to be the dragon.
1: Talbot is so skeezy in this.
0: (sighs) Yeah, but um, 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 the Hulk shows interest in Betty. When was the last time that happened? Seems like it's been forever. By Hulk, I mean Bruce. I guess we can't call him the Hulk right now. He's kind of just Bruce. So
1: Yeah, he's Bruce in a monster's body, but he like, so what does he do? He's the Hulk, but he just goes to look at Betty because he, he's he like knows he's, he's never going to see her again.
0: Yeah, just before I leave, I might as well just do this three hops that it takes me to get to her house because I'm the Hulk now and just look through the window. And then I happen to notice that Talbot's in there being a creep on her, but, oh, I can't do anything about it. So bye.
1: He almost is kind of glad. He's like, uh, you know, if she believes I'm a traitor, then maybe it'll be easier for her to say goodbye to
0: me. Mm-hmm. He's such a martyr.
1: Oh uh, Yeah,
0: you know, it'd be easier if he just said, "Hey, Betty, Bruce Banner's the Hulk. Can you deal with it?" And she'd probably say, "Oh, of course I can, because your muscles are awesome." And then they could just date,
1: right? And date is euphemism.
0: Yeah, for something or something.
1: But yeah, this was this was a thing. I mean, I I like what Kirby's doing.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um. I feel like we haven't really had that much of a shift from what Ditko was doing, but
0: not really. And the introduction to the leader is cool, but I want to see some more leader-y things. Like so far it's just all this trying to steal stuff with plastoids and I don't know. I want some more uh uh Doctor Doomy type ideal ideas. Maybe. And I'm
1: kinda of ready to get past the leader. Like even if yeah. we ventured away from the leader, we keep coming back to him.
0: Uh huh. Um,
1: so he's been in the background of the entire time we've been in this series, which has been almost a year now.
0: Well, I think the Hulk, as popular as he is as a character, is one of those characters that doesn't have a great rogues gallery. So we might not see a lot of non leader things for a while. I
1: want the Abomination.
0: Abomination or Zat or whatever the heck that thing is. or uh, That's all I can think of. The Circus of Crime. Boomerang has
1: his first appearance as a Hulk villain.
0: There you go. Boomerang is a notorious Hulk villain. Right. You know, he
1: doesn't have it, his first appearance.
0: What? A chance? Boomerangs. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, because the Hulk can't take boomerangs. That's really hard for him.
1: Yeah. Well, it's good, because Boomerang doesn't throw boomerangs in his first <laughs>
0: appearance. Does he call himself a boomerang? <laughs> yep. Wow. <laughs> he
1: has these little discs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we'll see when we get there eventually.
0: <sighs> All right. Well, that book was... Okay. It was exciting to get a Submariner new thing, but it was kind of a bust otherwise for me a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. All right. Should we move on to Sergeant Fury and his Hellen Commandos number 20 that I have to do?
1: He's back again. Oh, no, they're back again.
0: Oh, shoot, these guys. Now we're in May 11th, right? Yes, this this is is now second week. May 11th, and it's called Back Again, More Deadly Than Ever, The Blitz Squad. Strike. So, yeah, you remember those guys? In case you all forget that Baron Strucker at one point created his own Howling Commandos that were designed specifically to counteract the individual Howling Commando members. And then he did nothing with that. Before you get into this, though, Uh
1: deadlier than ever, are we allowed to sue for false advertising? (laughs) Right.
0: Uh,. Specially trained in Nazi Germany to be equal of furious howlers, the Blitzkrieg squad a Baron Strucker executes a daring raid along the coast of Scotland as our tale begins with a bang. Smashing script, Stan Lee, awesome art, Dick Ayers, inspired inking, Frank Ray, luscious lettering, Artie Simek. So, yeah, they attack like this truck because I can't pronounce this name, but something called, there's like these bad guy pilots that they call the Luftwaffe? I don't know. Yeah, Luftwaffe. What is that? of Uh,
1: That's the German Air Force.
0: Okay. So, German pilots have been captured. So, what their plan is, is to take over this truck. And they're in Europe or France or something like that. So, there's castles. And these pilots are being held prisoner in the castle. So, they're going to take the truck and pretend to be good guys. But they're really bad guys. And then they end up taking over the castle is essentially what happens because they're the howling commandos of evil. One of the guys they think is dead though, the driver, is not dead. And he gets up and he reports it. So, after they take over the castle, we cut to Happy Sam deciding between uh, uh, Nick Fury's group and what's-his-face's group? Uh, I forget his name. McGivens.
1: Oh, you are McGivens, yeah.
0: McGiveny. McGiveny. There's that guy, McGiveny, that thinks he's better than Nick Fury. So, there's this whole scene where, like, Happy's waffling between who to give it to. But, of course, he gives it to Nick because it's Nick's book. And McGiveny doesn't like that. So, he has his guys meet. All, all seven of them, like, meet Nick outside to fight, and Nick's like, okay, I'll fight you, but, you know, um, he actually kind of talks him out of it, I think, somehow, but I can't remember how, and then he kind of has this, intro, this internal thought of, like, you know, back in the day, I would have beat those guys up, but since What's-Her-Face is dead now, I'm kind of morose and don't feel like fighting all the time, so he's still kind of recovering from Lady What's-Her-Face's death, last issue or a couple issues ago, I can't remember now, last issue, I think, two issues ago, Um, Then there's this scene where the Howlers bet these tank guys that they can get into the tank and I can't figure out what this scene is for except to waste time. So, there's some filler there. Then they finally um, get to the actual castle raid and the plan is to have these big bombers fly over and shoot mist – and Baron Strucker and his crew are tricked into thinking the mist is cover for parachuting. So they start shooting into the sky. But it's not really because the Howling Commandos know about the secret underground lair thanks to some, you know, informant guy. So they come in that way. And they work their way up through the castle. So they have to fight uh, the pilots that are now released. They have to fight a bunch of, you know, German guys. It's all a bunch of shenanigans. Um, then they make it to the top. Uh, and then they have to fight the Blitzkrieg. And just like the last time, the Blitzkrieg don't really have any identity or, uh, you know, reason for existing. So, I can't really figure out who's fighting who. But it doesn't really matter. Lots of bombs trading. Um, and eventually, it gets down to uh, 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 Nick and Baron, of course. Those are the only two we care about. And the Baron has a sword and Nick has a chair. And... The Baron chops really hard into the chair and then Nick like throws the chair that takes the sword and they get into a fist fight. Um and Nick totally beats him up. Um and then they head back, Hans is there, and he's all like, Yay, they're awesome. And um I think that's the end. I don't really know. Nothing else happens. Yeah,
1: basically. Yeah. They
0: they attack
1: Strucker and the Litzkrieg squad and they win.
0: Yeah. It's a very straightforward issue, more so than mm-hmm. usual except for the weird tangents.
1: And did you notice that like we don't actually even see hardly any of the Blitzkrieg squad?
0: I can't like, tell who the Blitzkrieg squad is. So yeah, I agree. I don't the know. The guy with
1: the uh, the Patrick Troughton Dr. Who hat is the only one I even recognize as being part of the squad. I guess on the last page we have several people in a special blue shirt, but during the course of the story, I did not recognize anyone as being actually part of the squad. They were just
0: Well, The pilots have blue shirts, too. So that's the problem. Like, the bad guy Uh, pilots that are freed. So you're right. Like, just like last issue, where they make this big point of, like, we're going to create our own negative Howling Commandos. But then I don't know who any of them are. Yeah. It's just kind of weird. It's,
1: like, immediately followed by Manfred, Fritz, and Ernst. And I'm, like, I don't know which one is Manfred, which one is Fritz, and which one is Ernst. And there's nothing (laughs) to distinguish them. Um, Yeah.
0: There's, like, no panels of, like... You know, Gabe with his trumpet squared off against Baig with his clarinet, you know, or anything like that. They
1: didn't you even just- take the time to, like, remind us in, like, one page no. who the individual guys were.
0: no. Yeah, it's so, a real, yeah. it's a real squandering of an idea because I like the idea a lot.
1: Right, I think to get I a think, dark mirror of the good guys. Yeah, right? Yeah,
0: because when we first were introduced to Baron Strucker, we both decided that he was supposed to be a bad guy, Nick Fury, right? Right down to the eyeball and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And that makes a lot of sense. And so then 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 to have their own elite squad that's handpicked to like to combat Nick Fury's elite squad—that's brilliant. But then they don't do anything with it. It's so weird.
1: I'm not entirely sure they even come back. They might have one more appearance, but this might have been it.
0: Yeah, huge waste, huge waste, and I felt like this issue, more so than usual, was just very kind of straightforward. And with these weird, like the whole McGivney thing and the whole like trying to get into the tank thing, was just like sort of wasted paper. Like they had no story, so they were just filling it. Maybe, and
1: they could have used that space to, like I said, you know, remind us, you know, get, let us get to know the these bad guys a
0: little bit mm-hmm. more. But um, give them different costumes or something.
1: Did Strucker have that long scar before? I meant to go back and look, and I didn't.
0: I believe he's always had the scar, yeah. Okay.
1: In my mind, his face is, like, covered with scars, because there's this one scene decades later where his face kind of looks like it's all cracked up, like a shattered pane of glass or something. Mm. Um, But the one long scar over his bald head. Yeah. And it's a little bit weird, because we usually, when we have a Sergeant Fury issue, it usually leads off the episode. But um, even though it's leading off this week of release, it is not the first part of the episode.
0: Well, we had some weird shakeup like, a couple episodes ago, I feel like. Because I ended up covering the same book twice, which is unusual for us.
1: Yeah. But that was Sergeant Fury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really don't have a lot to say
0: about this issue, unfortunately. I mean, it was but- nice to have a little bit of a... Call back to his girlfriend's death like they didn't just drop that completely mm-hmm. which is cool, but that's like the only note I really have.
1: I guess that means it's time to get suspenseful.
0: Yeah So that's we got fun.
1: Iron Man and Captain America
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: the Sentinel and the spy with uh, Captain America fighting a guy with a water hose for an arm <laughs> and um, Iron Man kneeling in agony <laughs> if a man be mad
0: Well, geez, I'm never seeing that cover the right way again That's what it looks like. It is what it looks like now that you say it that way. It's supposed to be him holding a gun, but that's a bad tangent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Bullets don't do that.
0: (laughs) Well, and it's coming right out of his shoulder, so it's kind of weird looking. Yeah.
1: I guess water hoses don't do that either, but still.
0: (laughs) Well, invisible guns do, or whatever it's called.
1: I guess so, yeah. Okay. So Iron Man's first Mm -hmm. because there's only like one or two times where he's not going to be first. If a man be mad, we uh, open on a page of Tony Stark walking down a Steve Ditko uh, <laughs> pathway with all these monstrous fiendish faces behind him. No, you're not seeing things. Just happen to have a ringside seat to what's going on in the tortured mind of Tony Stark. The real question is, has our hero finally flipped his lid? A story so wild it could only be conceived by the merry Marvel Mad Men. Edited by Stan Lee, who hasn't slept since. Written by Al Hartley, who never could sleep. It's been a while since Stan Lee didn't write an issue. Yeah. Art by Don Heck, who was under sedation. Inked by Mickey DeMeo, who couldn't have visitors. And lettered by Sam Rosen,
0: who knows. Whoa, that was ominous.
1: Yeah, I think it's supposed to be who knows. But no, it's oh. Sam Rosen, who knows. <laughs> uh
0: uh-huh.
1: It's like um It's
0: all in the tone.
1: Who's that girl from House of M who
0: joined X Factor? Oh god, I don't know.
1: Blonde girl, and then she likes she's an adult and she dates Jamie and she she knows things. Like that's her power. She knows things.
0: Anyways. That's a handy power. Yeah, yeah. Knowing is half the
1: battle, I hear. Yeah, the other half is red lasers and blue lasers. All right, so Tony Stark is uh, back, bigger and better than ever before. Happy Hogan is also back on the job after having, um, you know, worked out his difficulties with Tony. Uh, Pepper Potts is extremely happy to see Happy. And Tony's like, yeah, I really shouldn't get in the way. I really kind of want to, but I really shouldn't. Because, you know, I've got this whole iron plate thing going on. Um, so he tells the, the would be couple that he's gonna go step into the lab and do some work on some stuff. Meanwhile, at that very moment, Tony Stark's cousin, Morgan Stark, is having a conversation with Count Nefaria. Count Nefaria has given up his costumed look from last issue to go back to his cape and robe and beard. And, um, evidently Morgan Stark owes him money from gambling debts and, uh, Nefaria really, really wants to collect. So he's like, if you can, um, help me—I don't know—ruin Tony or something like that, ruin Tony Stark or ruin Iron mm-hmm. Man. I don't know. Uh, then I'll, I'll be able to <laughs> forgive you. So, yeah, Morgan, Tony Stark. Yes, yeah, Tony. So Morgan goes to visit his his cousin Tony. Hey, cousin Tony, how's it going? Hey, cousin Morgan, you need money again? Um, Tony drives out and is investigating, like this rocket in the middle of the forest, he turns into iron man. And then Morgan Stark is like also at the rocket in the middle of the forest. And he's there. We don't exactly know why iron man goes into the rocket. He wonders what's going on. There's nobody inside. He goes out and calls the authorities, but when they arrive, the rocket's not there. It was a plant by Morgan Stark. And, um, but Tony Stark is the one who calls the authorities So it's a little bit confusing, just a little bit on who is trying to be fooled here, Tony Stark or Iron Man, because both are involved and Morgan Stark seems to know more than he should, but he doesn't anyways. um, So people wonder if Tony Stark is going crazy the next day, he's talking to um, Happy and Pepper and he sees another rocket ship outside in the, uh, out the window and he's like, You know, call the cops, call the reporters who want to have interviews. I can see aliens outside. They come inside and they're like, Where are the aliens, Stark? And Stark's like, I don't know, I just saw them. And so now they all think Stark is going mad. Senator Bird at Washington gets wind of this that Stark is actually mad, that Marships are Martians are landing, or maybe they're not. And so he's like, We gotta we gotta get these government contracts out of the hands of that madman. Um, Iron Man decides to go investigate all this and finds an actual real spaceship with actual real aliens and he fights the aliens and um, Morgan Stark is there. He almost gets hurt by the aliens. They all fly away And Iron Man forces Morgan to, you know, fess up that, yes, there really were aliens to the authorities to clear Tony's name. And now Tony Stark is not destroyed. And Morgan Stark still owes money to Nefaria and has to go back and face him. And Nefaria does not like failure. The end. Wonky. It was weird.
0: I don't don't, Um, know. First of all, doesn't this feel a little repetitive? Like, didn't we just have a, is Tony Stark crazy Nefaria story?
1: Yeah, we also had Spider-Man's Crazy with Mysterio. We also just had Nefaria last issue doing s- something very, like, he looked completely different last issue. He had tried on a new look.
0: Yeah, he was Dr. Yeah. Dream or something, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's it's very strange.
0: Yeah, he was trying to get Tony Stark to feel like he was insane by having weird dreams. Or no, he wanted him to die in the dream or something.
1: That's what it was. If you die in your dream, you're dead for real. It was not right Elm Street.
0: Why does he hate Tony Stark? I don't know why. Because he seems like he should be hating the Avengers or something. But he seems to really be after Tony Stark all of a sudden.
1: Well, he lost his role in the Magia. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if that was due to Tony Stark's or Iron Man's meddling. Uh,
0: I thought he just quit because he wanted to go full-on supervillain. Jeez, boy, we have bad memory on this show, maybe. I don't yeah. know.
1: We'll probably do some research.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we did cover it. We should listen to our own episode, maybe. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, Happy... I don't know. I'm not an expert on body language, but when she has a big smile on her face and her lips are two inches from yours and her arms are around your shoulders and your hands are on her hips and she's not mad and she says, we really missed you and I'm so happy to see you, maybe she means it.
1: Yeah. If only she meant that. Oh my God. I never would have left if she loved me with the kind of love she has for Stark.
0: She looks like she has a lot of love for him. So yeah. I don't know.
1: Honestly, if it were, if he were looking at – if he weren't Happy Hogan – I think he was looking at her with the intention of about to kiss her. Right. That's what it looks like in that first panel.
0: Yeah. So I think he needs to get over himself a little bit. Maybe.
1: Um, Meanwhile, Tony Stark, uh, glad to see you happy. He's still wearing his heart on his sleeve while mine must remain encased in iron.
0: (laughs) Oh, the melodrama.
1: Transistor powered metaphors.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He's been reading a lot of Submariner comics or something.
1: Something like that. Um, I didn't understand Nefaria's change of look last issue, and he is right back in this issue, and it seems weird.
0: Well, I like this better. I definitely didn't like his Doctor Dream tangent. Right. Point. This is a little – but I do think this plot is kind of stupid, too, because it's like, okay, you have access or blackmail over Tony Stark's cousin. You would think the plan would be something more, like, inside, like, that it's a benefit – that it's Tony Stark's cousin. You can come up with a plan where, like, he's inside and he has trust from Tony and he can betray him or something. But instead, it's like, here's a holographic projector that any peon could use right. to make him crazy. Like, I don't need you to actually be his cousin to do this. Anybody could no, do this. Yeah. But
1: it does introduce Morgan Stark, who does yeah. become a person later.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. We get a whole a new family member. He's just like a overweight Tony, basically.
1: A little bit. And, like, not as good. Like, he's the Tony that never, like had the success. No,
0: so he has money, but apparently he wants all the money and he doesn't want to have to ever ask for money. So he right now lives off of Tony's generosity, it seems like, or something like that. And, That's what and it, Yeah,
1: Pepper's like he's just as I pictured him from his letters. And like at first I was like, is she reading Tony's mail? But Maybe. it's probably her job. Yeah. And also, how does he look just like you imagine from his letters?
0: <laughs> he writes, Dear Tony, still overweight. Still have the thin, creepy mustache and the weird bangs. Right. Bought a new purple suit today with a red bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> Saw the same color on the Hulk shorts once. Thought it looked good.
1: Um. While we're at this point in the comic book, have we talked about the house ads that came out this month for S.H.I.E.L.D. and Submariner?
0: No, but they're cool.
1: Yeah, so it's worth pointing out, since usually the house ads that Marvel runs right now are just generic splashes of covers saying, now on sale from Marvel. They have an actual really cool house ad, two of them. The upper half is Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., and the lower half is Prince Namor, the Submariner, and they're pretty neat.
0: Do we know who Tuesday Weld is? Because I forgot to look.
1: Yes, she is an actress.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, I have looked her up. I can't remember off the top of my head who okay. she is.
0: Well. For those who haven't seen the ad, there's a little arrow pointing to Nick Fury's head and it says, who do you think this is, Tuesday Weld? So that was a joke, I guess.
1: Yeah. Um, I think she's a blonde actress who was on that episode of The Fugitive recently, but I can't remember it off the top of my head.
0: Well, just like the actual comics themselves, the Fury ad looks way cooler than the Submariner ad, but they're both cool. <laughs>
1: I really like that Priority A One badge.
0: Yeah, the that's little red really arms there. That's they should thinking. have. They should have gave that away from the Mary Marvel Marching Society. Ooh, wouldn't that have been cool?
1: Those be worth money now, probably.
0: Yeah, because they did that with the Cap Comics timely stuff. They gave out a badge for the club. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so they could have done the same thing.
1: So when the actual aliens show up, because this story actually should have published two years ago. That's, um,
0: yeah, that's the worst part. But go ahead. Yeah.
1: Iron Man makes a random comment uh, referring to his beryllium underwear. Okay. And is this the first indication that Iron Man's suit isn't actually iron?
0: Possibly. I mean, we know that it's been like this weird flexible, you can just pull up your trousers metal. Is that iron? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what he's ever called it, though.
1: I assume that that was like some sort of really, really, really fine chain mail type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, where the, where the where the metal's linked together? Uh-huh. Like, in theory, at least, you could be able to get that sort of flexibility on a really, really fine scale.
0: But, yeah, I know at some point in the future it becomes a misnomer that he actually is uh, – that he is Iron Man. You know, he's not actually right. an Iron Man. But
1: – even says in one of the movies it's like a gold titanium alloy.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there any point where um, this, this Senator Byrd whispers into a subordinate's ear, Hail Hydra – Or or is that some other time they do that? Because he has a real jerky attitude towards Tony Stark.
1: Is he Senator Byrd in Iron Man 2?
0: I don't know, but he sure could be. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great?
1: Okay, one more thing about the aliens, though.
0: Uh Uh-huh. They're from the moon. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, of course. They're aliens
1: from the moon and we already have a character who lives on the moon and it's been repeatedly pointed out how you can't live on the moon except for in that one blue area
0: yeah i was just gonna say we've been to the moon multiple times on this show and i never saw these guys and also one of them is named gouda Uh uh-huh which is a type of cheese and and they're from the moon yeah and when you shoot them with a bright light they say saint elmo's fire what are you doing because you know when you're on the moon you know what st elmo's fire is i guess
1: i guess you do Mm -hmm.
0: yeah this part is really where it's just like wow they're not even going to try and solve like iron man doesn't even solve the problem he doesn't even ever figure out that his cousin or Nefaria are like screwing with him Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden there's a real attack and then he just says look see there was a real attack and everybody's like okay cool you're fine and it stops
1: so Tony probably ends this story thinking that everything he saw was real.
0: Yeah, exactly. And oh, wow. and they could have just kept going with their plan. Just because something real happened doesn't mean you can't keep screwing with his head and, you know, making his life crazier. They could have, but they stopped. Because like, the aliens are, are
1: gone right? at the end.
0: Yeah. But like at some point, Iron Man is going to fight a real bad guy. But that doesn't mean tomorrow you can't make him see a weird bouncing ball that nobody else can see. Right. I don't know. It was just kind of a weird story, and 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 does Malcolm Stark now just die? Because it seems like you can't go back to Nefaria and have failed and owe him money and live. But
1: well, he's well, gonna live.
0: He's gonna live because you said he's a introduced character. So yeah, it um, seems like he's gonna die by this last panel. But
1: well, Morgan Stark is one of those names I've heard a lot. Mm-hmm. I do think he becomes a, a, a nemesis for Tony later, like more something of actual you know mm.
0: repute uh-huh.
1: and. Tony Stark's daughter in the
0: MCU is named for this character. Oh, wow. That's real insulting to her.
1: A little bit. I don't know exactly what the reasoning was on that, but yeah, she's a Little Morgan.
0: Oh, I never realized that. Okay.
1: And I thought that Tony had an interesting perspective on Senator Byrd. At the end of the story, he, he talks about how he doesn't see him as an antagonist. This is just someone in his life that he has to deal with and maneuver around. Senator Byrd is doing what he thinks is right, and Tony Stark just has to deal with him.
0: That was cool, but he also says the senator is a dedicated man doing his job as he sees it. I just wish I could let him know in you know, on my dual identity, then he would understand why I act as I do. And I was wondering, what does he mean by that? Because he's not like Bruce Wayne, you know, golden age Bruce Wayne, where he goes around acting like he doesn't care about things. He runs his company well, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. So what is he doing as Tony Stark that tony feels the senator uh rightly de- despises him, you know what i mean?
1: Well, i think there's been there's been several things recently where tony's had to like back out on stuff because mm. of iron man shenanigans or That's true. pretend he was dead or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. But as uh, you know, no, mostly iron man or tony stark doesn't act like an idiot on purpose or anything.
1: But Count Nefaria is essentially done for this podcast. Oh, we good. We might get to his next story, which is a two-parter in the X-Men. Mm-hmm. But then he doesn't come back until the revival of the X-Men.
0: And then he's Superman, or when does this uh, happen?
1: No, whenever he comes back in X-Men 94, he's still just Nefaria. Okay. Really nefarious.
0: It's really amazing to me that he exists like this, because I never knew that. To me, when you say Count Nefaria, I always thought of him as the Superman guy. So- and I've
1: <laughs> never even read any of those. So to me, he's just like this, this weird, like old-fashioned dressy dude who used to rule the the mafia and now it doesn't.
0: I think the first time I was introduced to him was during that Cosmic Spider-Man storyline. You never read that?
1: Oh, you know I may have read him in, I may have read him in that, but right.
0: he became Captain Universe and I think yeah. he, he fought like Hulk, Magneto, uh Count Nefarious, like pretty much every heavy hitter he fought because he could. So, that mm-hmm. was fun. That was kind of fun.
1: Is it Captain America time?
0: It's always Captain America time. I don't know why the we do any sanctival- of these other things.
1: Right? Let's get to the good stuff. Right. The Sentinel and the Spy, Tales from the Perilous Past. All the undying glory of Captain America's World War II triumphs, recreated anew for you by Marvel's modern masters. You know, I'm going to take issue with that. It's not all the glory because I have not seen anybody dress up like a butterfly. Mm. I have not seen vampires. I have not seen... People turning um, superheroes into chess pieces. So, this is not all the glory of the World War II days.
0: Well, they might be rewriting these days because I don't think Maybe. they reference those ever, but we'll see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so we ended with Captain America under the hypnotic influence of the Red Skull. He has been sent to kill a high ranking commander general in the United States Armed Forces. He walks into the room, has trouble pulling the trigger. Um, one of the German soldiers who is escorting him holds the gun with Captain America's hand still around the grip and is going to pull the trigger for him. And the last thing we saw was the gun going off. But we now jump in and Captain America is yanking the gun upward so that when it fires, it does not hit the general. He has uh broken his hypnotic hold. He is fighting against all the Germans who are with him. The general dude is on the phone trying to call in some security guards. There's a bunch of fighting. One of the security guards who runs in is good old Bucky Barnes. Um they mop up the floor with the bad guys and the Red Skull's like, "Well, crap. Okay, you know what? Though I've got bigger plans." And uh he has a special agent who is going to make a move. He is in a prison and um, he needs to be on a particular supply truck, but the person who is up in a line to go on, make the supply run is not the right person. So Red Skull's agent tells this person, okay, you know what? It's time for you to go make an escape. He's like, no, if I escape, I'll get shot, trying to escape. And they're like, yeah, well, it's your time. So um, the guy tries to escape. He gets shot. And now, mysterious agent dude is on the supply run, being escorted by private first class Steve Rogers and camp mascot Bucky <laughs>
0: Barnes. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: So they're sitting in the back of the truck with this guy who's uh, uh, making the supplies, and they're guarding him. But he throws a, a smoke grenade in the truck. Uh, in the uh, undercover of smoke, he runs off. He's got bombs strapped to his armpit and. Uh, They stop the truck. There's a kitty behind me. They stop the truck. They try to find the guy. The guy has run to a castle. They go into the castle. Guy has found an invisibility gun or disintegration gun for the red skull. He starts shooting them and making their guns disappear, making the trees disappear. Everything he shoots just like vanishes into thin air. So Steve and Bucky change clothes. They go after the bad guy. Um inconveniently, there's a whole column of tanks rumbling by right at that moment. Dude tries to uh, blow uh, blow up the tank. Um, He does manage to make half of it disappear. And Captain America's like, oh, no, whatever you do, don't set it to full intensity. And Guy's (laughs) like, I'm going to set it to full intensity. And he sets it to full intensity. And he pulls the trigger. And the gun blows up in his face. And Captain America's like, ha, ha, ha. I knew that it wasn't tested at full intensity. And so, um, all the army shows up to rescue Steve Rogers and they find him unconscious because he's pretending to be knocked out. And, uh, Sergeant Duffy's there like, oh, we got to get this guy back to my platoon. Uh, whatever. We got to win a war and we can't let him sleep through the whole thing or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And And that continued story is basically over now.
0: Which is great because I was just thinking like we have Kirby writing this, And he's writing Hulk, and he's writing Thor. And all of those are doing like this serial sort of storytelling style. Uh Uh-huh. Where like there's just one story seeping into the other. And I kind of don't love that in a way, just pacing-wise. Like it just feels like there's never any moments of decompression. Mm Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, last issue, we had this cliffhanger where Cap's hypnotized and he's about to shoot a dude in the head. And then that's resolved in three pages of this issue. Next, now we're talking about a vanishing gun. What does the vanishing gun have to do with Captain America being under Red Skull's spell? You know, nothing. It, re-
1: it really doesn't. You're right. We, we've we talked about this some with the Hulk with Ditko. It's like yeah. it feels like a movie serial without an overarching plot direction. Right, right. In a movie serial, you resolve the cliffhanger and then you move around your chess pieces and set up the next cliffhanger. Um, but with a movie serial, you have an overarching plot kind of, you know, at least navigating things this, you don't, you just have the Red Skull behind stuff. You have the leader behind stuff. So yeah, um, finding a direction is an important thing. And I think, I feel like in Thor, we kind of do have some more of that direction. It's getting better. Fantastic Four is also, Fantastic Four is also open-ended right now. Ever since um, getting attacked by the frightful four on oh, their wow. engagement party,
0: you're right. I so didn't think everything about that.
1: Kirby is doing is open ended right now, and Doctor Strange is open ended.
0: Oh God, yeah, you're right.
1: So continued stories are have quickly become the norm, not the exception.
0: And Spider Man had a two parter just recently, so yeah, yeah,
1: we're gonna wrap up Spider Man's two parter next episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's less open ended than he will be after Ditko leaves.
0: I mean, I don't mind the two parters; those are cool. But the two parter usually, the second part has to do with the first part. And, right. And this is less that. Like, I wouldn't mind it if this entire story was Cap struggling with his hypnosis and getting back at the Red Skull or, you know, getting into a fight with Bucky or something. But it's just like wrapped. Done. Let's move on to this vanishing story.
1: Well, because of the storytelling techniques, you have stuff like the Galactus trilogy, which is not a Galactus trilogy. It is two issues of Galactus story spread over three. Because uh-huh. issue 48 first has to wrap up an Inhumans plot. Uh-huh. Before it moves on to you know, the rocks and the fire and the sky and everything else. And then whenever Galactus wraps up in issue 50, they move on to other things halfway through the issue. Yeah. So, yeah, it is it is a little bit odd right now to have the open-ended storytelling. And readers were very split at the time of the comics. There was a lot of discussion about stopping the open-ended storytelling. And Marvel would often say, okay, we're going to stop it. And it would last like a month or two.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, not my jam, but that's okay. The art's great.
1: Oh, this looks fantastic.
0: Yeah, this is like sweet spot Kirby for me. All this stuff, is really good. So, and so, oh, go ahead.
1: I was gonna say that the um, the Marvel superheroes cartoon version of this, mm-hmm. you have the the three parts all linked together into one cartoon,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so it feels, even though the stuff with the uh, the vanishing gun does feel tacked on at the end, at least it's all one cartoon. And it's all driven by the Red Skull. He just has two different plots that work out over three segments of story.
0: So we all know that like 200 years from now in the Make Our Marvels history will maybe someday get to when they find out that the entire time Bucky was never really a mascot. He was actually a trained soldier. And that was just a backstory they gave to the kids in the comic books for for uh, uh, propaganda, blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. This goes a long way in, in backing that up because if Bucky's just a mascot, why is he assigned with a rifle to help Steve escort a prisoner to a prison? Right. You know what I mean? It seemed kind of weird.
1: Because we talked about how like a mascot is basically the camp pet. Yeah. You know, he's just a the kid they keep around because he's cute.
0: You don't see Lars or Olaf or whatever the heck that guy's name is, Sergeant Fury, actually going on missions.
1: Yeah. Hans, uh, Hans Voten.
0: Yeah. Hans, right.
1: And, you know, I watched the first season of M.A.S.H. last year, and they had a basically a mascot, that boy,
0: uh-huh. who, like,
1: make their drinks for them. Right.
0: So it so, happens, is, but I guess. so. But Bucky actually gets a uniform and a gun and an assignment, and they don't really and, explain that. So you could just explain that because he's actually a soldier.
1: And I was looking at his thought balloons on page three,
0: because
1: mm-hmm. I wrote down, you know, he thinks, personally, I like the idea of a big shot general being grateful to me. Uh-huh. he's on this run with with you know he's undercover he's in uniform uh-huh. and it does feel different with the retcon older military trained bucky
0: that was a great thought balloon though that made me laugh because yeah. right right before that cap's like not at all we don't need thanks we each serve freedom in our own way and then bucky's like eh, i wouldn't mind if <laughs> you kiss my butt a little bit but that's okay <laughs> um vanishing ray the guy oh. is- yeah oh, go, go ahead I was just going to say vanishing Ray, just like first, uh, first Avenger. It's like, yes, it's a cool gun, but it's still a gun. How is it going to take over the entire world? You still have to point and shoot. And when I point and shoot back with my bullets, you also die. So what's the difference?
1: Ever since you said that the first time I have thought about that every time somebody has a death ray,
0: Hmm.
1: I mean, it's at the end of the day, a gun is a gun yeah. and whether it's a phaser pistol or a pistol pistol, yeah. it kind of basically does the same thing.
0: It kills people. Yep.
1: If you can make non-lethal guns, then you're doing something interesting. <laughs> yeah. And that's why you, have, you know things like tasers and the stun setting and all that other stuff. Yeah. Now you can not kill somebody when you shoot them. Mhm. I really wish that there was some sort of like even less harmful, like something that would just like grab somebody or stop them or whatever that like, you know, we could use <laughs> with have- our children. <laughs> Have you
0: ever seen uh, that movie, the mystery men? No. Okay. Well, there's an inventor there that and he's like, he specializes in non-lethal weapons are like non-lethal, but then like all his weapons literally are non-lethal. They just stop you in a weird ass way, but they don't hurt you in any way whatsoever. So,
1: well, that's great.
0: Yeah. That reminds me of that. We need, we need non-lethal weapons.
1: <laughs> did you think that the guy trying to escape actually did get shot and killed until Stan Lee wrote the script <laughs> And then it was just like, oh, let's just shoot him in the leg.
0: Yeah, I do. Because I feel like after the first issue of this Cap stuff, like they've gone out of their way to make nobody die. Like Red Skull's not killing anybody. These soldiers aren't killing anybody. It's just kind of weird. Like there was this mandate, don't kill in our comics anymore. It's a war. Yeah.
1: Can't kill anybody in a war comic.
0: Now that said, I do believe that off panel or, you know, Bucky shot somebody's face off off panel last issue, but. That's okay. That was kind of cool.
1: My last comment on this story is that taping things to your armpit hair Mm -hmm. is a bad choice. Taking that off is going to
0: hurt. And how bad are these soldiers that they kill one guy or shoot him in the leg, put him in the morgue or wherever they put him, and then the other guy can just take his place. Nobody frists him. Nobody searches him. Nobody notices that he's not the same guy. That's pretty bad soldiering, kind of. Definitely bad.
1: But yeah, so that's Captain America.
0: Well, what does this remind me of, this bit where he says, don't use full intensity, and then he does and dies? Like, wasn't that from a story? Something? Something like Winnie the Pooh or something? I don't know. It really, I'm really trying to remember what this reminds me of, but I couldn't put my finger on it.
1: You know, you're right, and I can't think of it either.
0: <gasps> Br'er Rabbit. It just popped yes. in my head. Whatever you do, oh gosh. don't throw me into the briar patch. Don't throw me in the briar patch. That's what it is. Okay. That was driving me crazy when I wow. read that panel. Okay.
1: Rare Rabbit's totally a thing.
0: Yeah. A really racist thing. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right. So that's it. So those are our three issues. Hey, guess what? Hmm. Oh, no, that's next episode. Never mind.
0: Well, it's not the so, end of the month yet. No, it's not the end of the month yet. One more to go, and then we'll wrap up uh, May. So what are we going to cover next week? Oh, what we're going to cover next week is the Fantastic Four number 41, where – the, uh, 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 you know, Ben Grimm who quit, he's gonna try and fight them now for some reason. Amazing Spider Man number 27, part two of, of, uh, you know, Green Goblin and that guy's vying for the position of power in the city thing. Avengers number 18, they fight communism, I think. So that's it. Those are your three assignments.
1: All right. Uh, let's see who has followed us recently and trying to figure out. Who is out there following us? Um, let's see. I can't remember where I left off. Okay, that one looks familiar. So I think I've said hello to Amanda, a Jacoby ninety seven. I don't think I've said hello to Chip Flanagan, who is just a nerdy nerd making his way in this big crazy world of ours. At sure. Flanagan Chip, there's also Mariachi Static at twelve underscore Bar Blues, walking the right path after going down the wrong one for all these years. Hmm. Elapa Ila- Kiplaki at Kiplaki, who's some French guy. Patrick Kerkorin, at Patch Kerkorin. Frightmare City at Frightmare City is a new crime horror comic hybrid from award winning writer at Arc Turner, Arc. I'm sorry, AC Turner Online. So if you like horror comics and crime comics, go check out AC Turner Online or Frightmare City on Twitter. Uh, Carl, A site for Sore Thighs. Okay. Um, And then we have Olan Loken, Omolodan. And finally, the Uncaped Crusaders Review, which is Mark and Ian reviewing Batman content and films each week on podcast at Uncaped Review. Hey, Mike, they talk about Batman. Don't Yay! You
0: like I love Batman, Yes. All right, so
1: these are people who followed us recently on Twitter. We always love it when you follow us on Twitter and you, you know, retweet our episodes and you talk about us and say nice things and leave reviews in iTunes and mm-hmm. and share us on Facebook and tell your friends at parties about us and put us on your work bulletin board and at the agenda for the next department meeting, that sort of thing. Yeah.
0: Hand out flyers at conventions.
1: Right. Go door to door.
0: Yeah. Bumper stickers. Wait, don't do that. That might get us in La- trouble. Laundromat. Yeah, there you go.
1: Go go up to the cute laundry person and tell them about Make Marvel.
0: Put a flyer on your local uh, you know, community college bulletin board or something. You should
1: cut the toilet paper into a message and leave it on the toilet seat.
0: Yes. Just put mom on there. They'll know what it means.
1: Actually, why even cut it? Just just write it with a pen. Because
0: <laughs> <it'd> be- <laughs> <paper. laughs> someone will be sitting there going, who cut this? Right? Crazy. <laughs> Who, who did the <laughs> intricate cursive carving the, of toilet paper? The Hulk has a mask of the Hulk.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. So um, if, if 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 they want to follow all of our shenanigans, where can they find us, Mike?
0: Then go to makeartsmarvel.com. You'll get a link to the Facebook and the Twitter and see all of our episodes on there. You'll also get links to various feeds that let you play in – you know, whatever app you like to do, or probably easier just to open the app and search Make Ours Marvel, and hopefully we show right on up. Uh, we also have a contact form on that website, or if you want to skip that all together and just email podcast at com, we would love to hear from you. We always eventually get around to reading those on a, on special episodes and commenting. So if you have anything you want to say, good, bad, or otherwise, send it our way
1: and i can be found on twitter at john Reads comics my other uh, crazinesses on twitter include all the pouches and image comics podcast at all the pouches let's talk wanda is my tweet blog about the scarlet witch and at tfuk podcast is my transformers uk podcast entitled return to cybertron so i'm doing other podcasts besides this one and i welcome you to come check all of those out And I think that's it. That's it. All right. So we'll be back next week, and you should be here too. So until then, or until
0: Namor marries his cousin, make ours Marvel. Marvel.